Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I am your host with the most winners, that is, Kendall Caps. Well, we are now heading down the stretch. we got Thanksgiving approaching tomorrow. I am very, very excited. It's the best time of year for sports. You have college football regular season coming down to the wire. The NFL, we're now figuring out exactly who are true Super Bowl contenders and who isn't. And this year, we get the added bonus. We have the World Cup going on, which I don't know for a lot of you, but I was really disappointed with the second half effort from you know, the, the U.S. men's national team on Monday. They had the lead against Wales, and then... You know, they're one of the youngest clubs in the tournament, and it showed as the game wore on. They made a, a really crucial mistake, allowing a penalty. So they got a point out of that group. But, you know, it's going to be tough to get out knowing Wales is our biggest competition to get out of that group. Nevertheless, though, so far it's been a great tournament. Germany has been upset by Japan. Argentina was upset by Saudi Arabia. I mean, things are just turned on their heads so far. So you, you got to love just everything that's going on with the World Cup so far outside of maybe that U.S. disappointment. But they get a chance to make amends. They get to play England on Friday. If they can even get a point in that match, they'll be sitting in a great spot. Um, If they lose by a goal, all right, you know, I I can deal with that. Knowing goal differential would likely be the, the main factor on if we get out of this group. If they can stay close with them, take care of business against Iran, and then hope that England beats Wales by more than we lost to England, assuming that's how it plays out on Friday, then there is still a path. But man, I got to tell you, that was it was really disheartening watching the end of that game. But I digress. I want to start this week diving back into college football. We, we've dabbled in it a little bit the last couple shows. And this weekend, there is maybe my favorite game of the year every year. I am a really large Michigan fan ever have been since I was a really young child. And not that I'm from up there. I'm from the Boston area, but for whatever reason, when I was young, I loved Michigan. So I naturally am not a fan of Ohio state, but this rivalry, it is Duke, North Carolina of college basketball. It is Yankees, Red Sox and baseball. This is the biggest rivalry. And I know, I know a lot of people will, will take issue with that. There's the Iron Bowl, there's the Egg Bowl, and there's all these different rivalries. We saw last weekend USC and UCLA playing an unbelievable game. But I still think that Ohio State-Michigan is the best rivalry in the sport. And now we finally have them facing off undefeated with everything seemingly on the line this weekend at the shoe. So Ohio State, they're favored by seven and a half, which on its face sounds like a lot of points considering both teams are 11 and 0. Uh it's the first time in 16 years that both teams are undefeated when they play each other. And the fact that you could have an undefeated Michigan team that has looked really good almost all year still getting over a touchdown. I think a lot of people will will like the Michigan side knowing they're a live dog. They could just win this game outright. But even as a big Michigan fan, I look at how they've been playing. And in particular, their offense has been inconsistent this year. And when they can't run the ball very well, they they, they haven't been able to, to finish drives in the red zone. And that could come back to haunt them in this game. I, I think both defenses, which are ranked top 10 in the nation and have played really, really well, 
I think they're they're going to come out firing. And I really like the first half under. So the, the over-under for the game is sitting at 56 and a half. We might see things open up as the game progresses. But I think both teams are going to play this game a little bit close to the vest early on. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw a 13-10, 13-7 halftime score. So the first half line sitting at 27 and a half. I kind of like the under. They're going to feel each other out a bit. And then maybe we see some bigger plays as the game goes on. Overall, the seven and a half points. I'd love to take Michigan here. But the fact that even Vegas says that Ohio State is better better than a touchdown favorite in this game speaks volumes to me. And so I'm a little leery to lean that way. So I'm going to stay away from the, from the game line. But I like the first half under there. Um, there's another game this weekend in college football that not a lot of people are going to have eyes on except for the committee that decides who makes the college football playoff. So Clemson is playing their rivalry game against South Carolina. They're at home this weekend. Clemson is sitting seventh in the polls, eighth, you know, depending on what poll you're looking at. But ultimately, style points are going to matter if Clemson has any shot of getting in. So we know Ohio State or Michigan will lose this weekend, and that will open up one spot in the college football playoff. Let's just go ahead and assume that TCU is going to win out and in claim one of the four spots. That leaves one spot open. Thanks to Tennessee losing yet again, it'll really come down to USC and Clemson for that final spot. USC has to play Notre Dame this weekend, which is no joke. That's going to be tough. Notre Dame is playing really, really well right now. And then they'll still have to win the Pac-12 championship. So they have two very difficult games ahead of them. Clemson has an opportunity to separate themselves and put them, despite the fact that they're currently listed beneath USC, they have a chance to leapfrog them as the one-loss team and maybe squeak into the playoff. And the way they're going to do that is by drubbing their opponents. And knowing it's against a rivalry, uh, their rival at home, they're laying 14 and a half. I'm happy to lay those points. I think Clemson is going to get up big and they're not going to stop scoring. All right. So now we can transition to the NFL, which, you know, it's everybody's favorite topic. And it's it's that time of the year now where we're really finding out who the cream of the crop really is. This is the best time of the year for football. Once we get to Thanksgiving and beyond and you know, obviously there's a handful of teams that we know are going to be legit contenders. One of them, not a lot of people are really talking about or giving them much credit is the Baltimore Ravens. So they're seven and three. They lead the AFC North division by a game over the, the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, early on this year, their defense, particularly the their secondary was getting torched, but they were so banged up. They were starting three rookies in their secondary for almost the first six weeks of the season. But quietly over the last month, since they've been getting some guys back, they've been playing really well. And their rush defense is third in the league. So this week they go into Jacksonville. They're favored by four. Now keep in mind, Lamar Jackson has been incredible covering the spread as a road favorite. He's won his last five in that scenario. And they're four-point favorites going against Jacksonville this week. And, you know, Jacksonville's a decent little team. They, they've shown up here or there. And they, they play hard, and they're in most games. But I really like Baltimore here, and I really like them to make a statement and go on the road and take care of business. And as we've seen this year, when the Jags and Travis Etienne Jr. can't run the ball effectively, Trevor Lawrence has struggled in the passing game. 
and knowing Baltimore, I fully expect them to limit that rushing attack. It's going to be, it's going to have to be Lawrence scoring through the air. And he's shown an inability to be consistent and not to mention he's turnover prone still in a second year. So give me the Ravens. I'll lay those points. So now from one contender to another, despite the fact that just a few weeks ago, it looked like their season might've been over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're three and a half point favorites going on the road to the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cleveland is a better team than their record suggests. I think if you if you just look at that roster, the talent on that roster, you could easily argue they're a top 10 team in the NFL. And yet they underperform. And part of that is Jacoby Brissett is their starting quarterback. And they don't get to Sean Watson back until next week. There's going to be plenty to talk about when that comes around. And, and trust me, I've written about it. I've talked about it. My feelings on Deshaun Watson and all that stuff. But for now, we can just focus on the Brissett is still the starter for them. And the Bucs kind of found their groove a little bit before the bye. So they beat the Seahawks out in Germany, and it was by far their best offensive performance of the season. And it wasn't just, oh, they scored some points or Brady looked like he was hitting on all cylinders. No, it, it was the fact that they ran the ball effectively. They were dreadful running the football through the first eight games of the season. And they seem to have found a little bit of life with Rashad White, the rookie running back. Because remember, Leonard Fournette came into camp at 265 pounds. And he then shaped up really quick by going into a sauna. And all the reports were it was all water weight that he was shedding just to make weight to get back into camp. But he hasn't looked like himself all year. And he's, he's always been a bruiser type back. And if you can't give him the second from the snap to get moving forward, which the offensive line had really struggled to do, he's not very effective at all because he's a downhill runner. White is not that type of guy at all. He's much quicker, more elusive. Uh, he still also has really good hands so he can make plays. And he's been getting more and more touches and playing a significantly higher percentage of snaps the last couple games. And with that, He's bred some life into the Bucks' running game. In Cleveland's defense, they're just flat-out bad. I mean, I know they have Miles Garrett and they have Jadavion Clowney, but despite that, they still rank in the bottom 10 in almost every single category. Their secondary has been getting torched. So, once again, I'm going to take the road favorite, the Bucks here on the road to cover three and a half and improve to six and five and put themselves in firm position to get ready for this playoff run. Well, let's not forget... The Bucs are coming off their bye, and we remember what Brady and that team looked like coming out of their bye two years ago when they were 7-5, and five, and they turned it on. They're 5-5 five and five coming out of the bye right now. I like them to start forming. You know, Brady's always got his team moving in the right direction at this time of year. I think we're going to see that again this weekend. All right, let's transition to a game where, you know, if you had told me at the beginning of the year there would be any interest in this, uh, I would have laughed at you, but here we are. It's it's week 12, and the New York Jets are still in a playoff spot, and they're hosting the Chicago Bears, which the last few weeks has been maybe the most compelling team to watch because of what Justin Fields is doing. So the Jets are favored by six, and this is a really big number. And I, I get that Justin Fields, he's dealing with a shoulder injury, Recent reports this morning are that he's planning on playing. If he doesn't, obviously, I think this is worth revisiting. 
But from the sound of it, he's going to play this weekend. And since Chicago has just let him loose the last month of the season, their offense, they're scoring damn near 30 points a game. He is rushing for over 100 yards a game. I mean, he's rewriting what a quarterback running the football can do. It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, and that's knowing Lamar Jackson is in this league, but he's doing things that even Lamar Jackson hasn't done. He had 185 yards and two scores two weeks ago, followed it up with 140 yards the following week. Like, it's bananas what he's doing. Now, the Jets' front is no joke, and their defense overall is very, very good. But things are so bad for them right now. I, You know, the fact that they are now benching Zach Wilson for Mike White as their starting uh, quarterback. You know, after the loss last week, when the Jets had a grand total of 103 yards. That's right, 103 yards last week. Uh, Zach Wilson essentially refused to take any ownership of the blame when people asked, when the media asked him, hey, do you feel like you let the defense down? I think it's pretty obvious. The right answer is, yeah, I didn't play well. We got to play better as an offense. Not, no, next question. Um, and because of that, he he doesn't have the respect of his teammates and it's led to his benching. But Mike White, I mean, what are we really getting with Mike White? I remember he had that spot start at the beginning of the year last year and he played great and then we, he turned back into Mike White. So I, the Jets, their defense might be able to win this game because of how good they are, especially up front. But six points is a lot of points, especially for a team that's a live dog that has played really well offensively the last handful of games. So give me the Bears. Give me the six. <laughs> Let's move to a couple teams out west now. So the Seattle Seahawks also coming off their bye after playing in Germany two weeks ago. They're three and a half point favorites at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. I can't figure this one out. I don't know why this spread is sitting at three and a half. Maybe Vegas knows something. I don't know. Am I supposed to believe that the Raiders are even half competent because they beat the Denver Broncos in overtime? I mean, the Broncos are arguably the worst coach team in the league. Their coach, he's so clearly in over his head, and Josh McDaniels isn't far behind him. I mean, we've seen the McDaniels experiment before, and it's playing out once again. You know, Devontae Adams, I think, saved the day with such a monster performance last week. And so, I mean, I think there'll be some points in this game, but I'm happy to lay the three and a half. Seattle's a good football team. I think we've seen them enough against good competition to say that they're a good football team. And and I have to own it. I was wrong. I thought when we started the show and we talked about the over-unders for the season total for Seattle, I didn't think they were winning more than four or five games. And they're already six and four, sitting in first place in the NFC West. And if you think about it, they hit on all five of their draft picks. Their, their first five draft picks in this most recent draft. And they're all starting and playing well. When Russell Wilson the last couple of years was struggling to look like the same guy, it was their offensive line, which they could not open holes and they had no running game. Well, they drafted two linemen and they look great and their running game is really strong. Kenneth Walker looks like the offensive rookie of the year. This guy is incredible and it's not any surprise. He did the same thing at Michigan State and then when he left Michigan State, we see what that program turned into. Um, so I think knowing that they should be able to move the ball at will against this Raiders defense because this Raiders defense is not good whatsoever. They have a couple talented players, but they've been bad pretty much beginning to end this season. 
and Seattle playing at home, coming off a bye with everyone healthy on offense, seemingly. I don't see any reason they don't put up enough points that their defense can't do enough to cover three and a half. So I'm going to lay those three and a half and be happy about it. Now it is time to move on to my favorite segment, Kendall's Corner. So like I talked about, the World Cup has started and uh, there's already been a couple major upsets. It's been a ton of fun to watch. And I like looking at some of the futures and I look at total goals. And for Brazil in the tournament, you can get plus 125 on total tournament goals over 11 and a half. We've seen France score four in their opener. Spain scored seven in their opener when they when they're playing truly bottom level competition in their first match. Well, Brazil plays Serbia tomorrow. I'm thinking they're going to score four goals in that game and maybe they score more. <coughs> Excuse me. But they're clearly going to be on the score sheet early and often. And the rest of their group is Cameroon and Switzerland. Switzerland can score, but I think Brazil will be able to score a couple goals against them. Same thing as Cameroon. They should be sitting at eight goals, maybe more depending on how the Serbia game goes, just coming out of group stage. And then they're going to play more than likely the team that finishes second in group H in the next round. And that could be Uruguay. It could be South Korea. But it's no one with a great defense that's just going to stop them from reaching the score sheet. So that probably gets them into the quarterfinals. And we're at least sitting at 10 by the time we get to that point. So knowing I can get better than even money on an over 11 and a half goals for Brazil. Like I said, we saw Spain score seven goals this morning. Would I be shocked if Brazil scored five or six against Serbia tomorrow? No. And if that happens, it's money in the bank. So before these odds disappear, go place your bet on the over for Brazil over 11 and a half. Now on to uh, the teasers in the parlays, which a couple weeks ago, we almost hit our seventh three-team parlay in 10 weeks. And we got robbed by, a, I forget, there was a backdoor cover that that screwed us. Um, but overall, we're still hitting at 60% on these parlays. So this week, there's there are more games that is it is so easy to pick winners. And I've talked about this at nauseum, and I'm going to hammer it again. When you're placing parlay bets, do not include the spread. It is too difficult. It is literally a sucker bet. Every once in a while, you're going to hit, but Vegas is taking your money, and, and you got to know it. But if you're using money lines, you can... You can reverse it on them. You can put the odds in your favor because every week there's a three or four or five games that we almost know who is going to win. Now, yes. Oh, I remember the Eagles when they lost to Washington. I thought that game was going to be close and I was right, but Washington actually pulled off the upset and that's what killed the one last week. So I'm six and four at hitting these. But overall, knowing I'm getting better than even money on every one of these, despite playing money lines, we're still up a good deal this year. In this week, there are a number of teams that you know are going to win. The Chiefs play the Rams. That game's over before it started. We all know the Chiefs are going to win that game. We don't even know if Stafford's going to play for the Rams. And the Rams' offense might be the worst we've seen in 10 years. Like, they're they're dreadful. All right, that, that might be a little hyperbole, but they're bad. 
Uh, and we know the Chiefs. I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if they're covering a 15 and a half, half point spread. They haven't been great at covering big spreads, but they're going to win the game. The Dolphins, they play the Texans at home. The Dolphins quietly have a top three offense in the NFL. I mean, no one has been able to stop their offense. Um, and I certainly don't see the Texans being the ones to do it here. And knowing all of that, and Davis Mills, I think, is getting benched now. It's a mess in Houston. So, again, I don't know if the Dolphins are going to cover 13 and a half. That's a big number. I know they're going to win the game. So you take the Chiefs money line. You take the Dolphins money line. And the Bucks coming off that buy, as we talked about, going to Cleveland. I think some people might be a little bit scared. I'm not. I love the Bucks to win this game. So you take those three along with San Francisco on the money line. They're at home against the Saints. The Saints look dreadful. They look lifeless. Uh, both on, on both sides of the ball, the defense was supposed to be really good this year. They've been down a bunch of key players on defense. Lattimore hasn't played in almost two months. Um, and the Niners are really hitting their stride, as we saw on Monday night. Now, I don't think they're going to murder the Saints the way they just crushed the Cardinals on Monday night. And plus, you know, when you win a big Monday night game like that at home, you tend to come out a little flat. <clears throat> So I think that might even be a game for the first quarter of the first half. But as the game rolls on, there are simply way too many playmakers on both sides of the ball for San Francisco to lose that game against a subpar Saints team. So you take those four teams just on the money line, you get plus 140. I'm telling you, it's like taking candy from a baby. And finally, our teaser of the week, our four-team teaser. So that Niners game I was just talking about, the Niners are favored by eight and a half. Tease that down to two and a half. I don't know if they're going to cover that eight and a half. That's a big number, especially coming off the short week. But they're going to win, which means they're probably going to cover two and a half. Anytime you see a spread at eight and a half, it's a great one to tease. because You can get it just under that field goal line. So you always want to look for those. <coughs> so you tease the Niners to two and a half. And again, the Chiefs, 15 and a half, such a huge number. You can tease that one down to nine and a half, which is a great spot to get it at. You can just cover by by winning by 10. The Falcons this week are four-point dogs at Washington. Now, Washington is a lot better than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be, myself included. But I don't think they're good enough to beat the Falcons by 10 or more points. So we can tease the Falcons to plus 10 when they're a live dog as it is, fighting for their own division title. And they're a decent football team. At least they've shown so far this year. Like, yeah, give me the Falcons plus 10. And finally, the Vegas Seahawks game that we talked about earlier, that over-under sitting at 47 and a half. You can tease that down to 41 and a half and take the over. There should be plenty of points in this game. Seattle might reach the 30. Seattle's top five in scoring in the NFL. Most people don't realize that. They've been scoring a ton this year. And knowing they're going against that Raiders D, they might get to 30 some odd just by themselves. So anything Seattle scores, or excuse me, anything Vegas scores, which they're going to score some points. It's not like Seattle has a great defense. Uh, so we can get that down to 41 and a half. So if you tease the Niners down to two and a half, Chiefs down to nine and a half, Falcons to plus 10, and Vegas Seahawks to over 41 and a half, you get plus 250. Two and a half to one on your money. Looking at those games with those lines, it just makes too much sense not to bet. That's how I see it. That's Kendall's corner. And let's go get some money. We'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.